Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from our lead pastor, Dave Carroll, as he begins the series, Here Comes the Boom, with a message from Isaiah 6, entitled, A Life of Response. Let's join in now. Isaiah chapter 6, that's right, we are in the Old Testament. It is to the left of the middle of your Bible, and so you'll want to turn in there. Um, we are at starting a five-week series called Here Comes the Boom, and uh, this is, uh, uh, I'll explain in a second, you're saying, Dave, you're crazy, what's the boom, you know, where is it? Uh, but it's a five-week series designed uh, to, to kind of mold and shape the people of Elevation Church to look more like Jesus so that we can make a greater difference in, in the community of Billings. Are, are you down with that? Is that something that you want to do? And so it's, it's not just about, hey, who is the church, you know, but uh, it's who am I because the people are the church. And so if we don't change to look like Jesus, uh, then we'll just be another church. But I'm here to tell you, we didn't come here uh, to start a new church, Elevation Church in Billings Heights, just to be another church in the corner, okay? We're not going to be in this building forever, you hear me? Uh, because we're going to reach people. Uh, we're going to see them come alive in Christ. In fact, our, our vision statement is that we are here to be a different, refreshing church, helping people far from God come alive in Christ. And so um, you can help us do that. As a matter of fact, if you don't do it, um, just a couple of us won't do it by ourselves. We need you. And so uh, if you have Isaiah 6, um, just kind of keep your place there. And uh, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll start the message today. Here comes the boom, a life of response. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the chance we have to worship you. Lord, we thank you that um, you are our life. God, we thank you that we can run to you, and every time we run to your arms, Lord, there you have life, and you have life abundant. And so, God, today we, we give you our heart, we give you our mind, we give you our soul, and Lord, we even give you our strength. Lord, even whether we clap or whether we uh, make the effort to wake up in the morning to be here to study your word, God, we are here for you, uh, just like you commanded in your great commandment. And so, Lord, as we learn your word today, um, would it be more than just a Bible study? God, would it be more than just another time at church? But Lord, teach us truly how to respond uh, to your great love, to your great character, um, to the mighty acts that you have done. Uh, God, help us not to just look at all the things you have done and remain the same, but God, help us to leave here different today. And uh, all the people in the room who believe that, in Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 6. I am super excited because this is where we get to dive in. And uh, here's how uh, the, the message, here comes the boom, came. You know, I thought that anytime there's uh, something new that happens uh, in life, it, it, usually people take notice. And some things are small, and a few people take notice, and some things are humongous, and a lot of people take notice. But I remember the biggest boom that ever happened. How many of you have ever heard a big sonic boom before? All right? uh, the, the biggest sonic boom I ever heard was when Amy and I first were married. We were living in a, about a 500-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment. Uh, I think I was making $9,000 a year full-time in ministry. All right? Yeah, it was great. And so uh, I know you all read in the papers, you know, that everybody is like millionaires who are pastors. But there you go. You have it. $9,000 a year. And they gave us an apartment. And it was amazing. And uh, Amy and I were sitting there with our 19-inch tube TV. Do you remember those? I know those are kind of archaic at this point in time, but we're sitting there. And uh, we're, we're looking at the TV, and all of a sudden, this humongous boom hit. It was, so, it was so big, we had one of these picture glass windows. And the boom, it made the window kind of go in. And we, we thought 
uh, we jumped out of our seat and thought that maybe someone had ran by and hit the glass. And so we were deathly afraid. We, we didn't really know what was causing the boom. But we, you know, we were like, whoa. And then about five seconds later, another boom hit. Boom. And it, I, mean, I mean, this is one of these booms that just shakes right through you. And, and we thought, man, is somebody running around beating on the windows here? Are, are we going to get broken into? Is there a, I, don't have, I haven't bought a gun yet. You know, hey, I, what's, this is terrible. You know, I just get married, and now my wife's going to die. I'm not going to protect her. I'm a terrible guy, right? Uh, this is what's going on. And, <laughs> and so after about 15 or 20 minutes of just trembling and shaking, we didn't know what was happening, uh, I, Amy and I turned to each other, and Amy said, hey, you need to be a man, and you need to go outside and figure out what's causing this, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and so, <laughs> so I, I walk out uh, only to find, when I open the door, that uh, nearly half my, half my neighbors in the apartment complex were outside as well. And uh, what had happened is um, there had been an explosion at a power plant uh, that caused multiple sonic booms to roll through the air. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, when I looked outside um, and I figured out what the boom was and I figured out uh, what was the, you know, what was causing this um, change in our life? What was changing my emotions? And I saw that everybody was there, and I figured it out. All of a sudden, I thought, this boom is pretty cool. Did I just experience, like, a true sonic boom from a, from a power plant? This is amazing. And, and you know what? I, I kind of uh, relate that today to Elevation Church. You know what? Anytime new life springs out of the ground uh, in, the, in the family of God, there's a huge, not sonic boom, but there's a huge spiritual boom that takes place, all right? It's kind of like uh, shockwaves go through the air spiritually, and people who maybe never considered God before start to consider God, and people who, um, who maybe have been down about church or down about, you know, maybe they've been hurt in their faith in Christ, they start to go, whoa, and new life kind of brings this boom, and here what, here's what I want to ask of you today. Would you step outside the walls that you've put up toward God? Would you step outside and say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to experience you today. I'm not just going to stay huddled up inside my room wondering about God. I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to find him. And today in Isaiah chapter 6, um, the first boom we're going to look at is a life of response. And when we talk about response, really what we're talking about is worship. And so I want to give you a definition of worship. And you ha- this is your first blank, and these are two very important blanks. Because really, if you catch these two blanks, Uh, you'll catch uh, the gist of the message today, and you'll grab a great principle from God's Word. And this is is biblical worship. Biblical worship is a response to God for who he reveals himself to be in his Word. Response and reveals are the two blanks in your message. Worship is a response to God for who he reveals himself to be in his Word. You know, many people think they worship. Many people think they lift God up, but the truth is you can't, you can't really worship God until you know who he is. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, what if I had to go and sell your house? Uh, let's say the house you're in, let's say you owned it. You know, I don't own my house. I, I rent right now. But uh, if, let's say you own your house. If I went up and put a $50,000 price tag on that, uh, would you be upset or would you be happy? You'd probably go, whoa, hey, this is Billings, man. Uh, you know, pr- prices are climbing a little bit. Hey, uh, so if I ascribe a wrong value to your house, you'd get upset. But uh, same thing goes with God. And today we're going to look at Isaiah and this encounter that he has with God where he gets a proper value put on the character of God. He really finds out who God is. Would you like to really find out who God is today Uh, and to to learn more about him? And so 
Um, here's what um, one scripture, since we're in the Old Testament, we're going to have to do a little bit of translation, but the Old Testament is still the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and just say, the Old Testament is still the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it is still the Bible, and we have, there's a lot to learn from it, but we're going to read this together. Let's read John chapter 4, verse 24. It's up on the screen. Ready? One, two, three. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the principal verse today that, that I want us to know. I want Elevation Church. I believe, and the reason I want is because I, I believe God wants it. I want Elevation Church to be a church that loves God with everything we have. I want people to walk in this room, whether it's this room that we're worshiping in or, you know, one of the next 10 rooms that we probably have to worship in or whatever it is starting a church. I want people to walk in this room and immediately go, whoa, these people love God. They worship God. They got him in spirit. They, they, they're there with him, and that means that you're giving your heart, your emotion, your attention, and they're with him. And this is most importantly, and what's that second part? The truth. We have to worship God in spirit and in truth, and that means that we have to be properly informed about who God is. And you know what? what's shocking to me is as I walk across buildings, you know, Amy and I uh, and our four boys moved here in June to launch Elevation Church specifically and one of the things that's shocking to me is I'm running into tons of people who say, yes, I'm a Christian, but man, they don't know the first thing about God when you really go one or two steps deeper. And, and you know, we want to be a church where we properly um, give the right value to God. And so here's what happens in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8 is what we're going to read. Then we'll come back and look at a life of response. A couple quick fun things about Isaiah. You ready to learn some fun things about Isaiah? If you didn't know it, he was a prophet. He, uh, he did his work in Jerusalem. Uh, back in, in the biblical times here in Isaiah, uh, Jerusalem was divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. He was the prophet, or if you wanted to say the modern-day pastor of the city, uh, to Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. His contemporaries uh, were Hosea and Amos and Micah, and these contemporary prophets shared uh, two common interests. You know what they, they shared? They shared the interest of... Um, be, one, they, they didn't like when the poor were oppressed. And the second thing is they didn't like when the rich acted too rich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what he didn't like. Here's another fun fact about Isaiah. You ready for this? You know how this guy died? If you think you've struggled with your faith, if you think you've ever been, you know, been persecuted or it's cost you and your family, Isaiah was, uh, you know, the history has it, they believed he was sawn in two as a martyr, and that's how he died. Uh, he was saw, literally a saw and sawed in two. Isn't that crazy? Uh, this is Isaiah. This is who we're reading. This is the prophet. Um, and so Isaiah is one of these guys. He really loved God a lot. And we pick it up here in about 740 BC, the, king, the year that King Uzziah died. And so here we go. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Dave. Look at everybody's with me. Did you play drums too before you came? And you're, you're awake, huh? Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, this is Isaiah talking, saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, these are angels. Each, ha uh, each one had six wings, and with two they covered his face, meaning the Lord, uh, with two covered his feet, and with two he flew. It's pretty cool, huh? How would you like to have six wings like that, huh? You know, you could do a lot of work. I could do dishes, you know, I could... Uh, vacuum. Uh, verse 3, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy. Did you get that? One of these angels cried to another saying, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door, you ready for this? Here's that big boom, right? What a great way to start with. Here comes the boom. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Boy, this beats my, uh, beats my uh, early marriage story, doesn't it? So I said, here's Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, that's the angels, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And we know that the altar, um, one of the reasons why he had taken it from the altar is the only way that, that sin can be forgiven is by what? The shedding of blood. You, have you ever heard the old hymn, maybe earlier on in life? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So that, you know, the angel had to take coal from that altar where there was a sacrifice to touch his lips, right? And so here's what it says in verse 7. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and this is huge, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. And so from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, there are four elements this morning that I want to give you that will give you a life of response. If you want to be a person who responds to God properly, a person who worships, we know that worship um, is not you know, just a Sunday thing, and we'll talk about that. But uh, four elements, and the first one is this. It's position. We learn from Isaiah that if you want to be a person who responds to God, if you want to be a person who worships God and he looks down and is pleased at you, the first thing you have to do is be in the right position. If you look at verse 1, Isaiah 6, 1, it said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled where? Where did it fill? Where did it fill? The, the temple. It filled the temple. So where was Isaiah? In the temple. Okay, now in the Old Testament, the temple was where the presence of the Lord was. But remember how we, uh, we did John 4, 24, and we said God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth? Remember how we, we, we said that together? Well, um, here in the New Testament, position has changed a little bit. Uh, if you noticed, so, maybe some of you have noticed, we're worshiping God in a school right now, okay? And, and the, the location doesn't matter as much as it used to in the Old Testament. Um, but the position that you're in matters a whole lot to how much you're going to encounter God. And remember, we talked about if worship is a response to God for who he reveals himself to be in his word, we have to get in position to find out who he is. The, the biggest reason why most people misunderstand God is they stay in the box of their life. They, they stay with all their presuppositions, all the things that the news tells us, all the things that uh, Yahoo News tells us. We stay in this position where we let the world inform us about who God is, when all the while, what should inform us about who God is? The Bible. The Bible should inform us about who God is. And so... Um, there's this new type of position for a person living after Jesus had, had rose from the grave. And uh, didn't we have a great le- week last week when, uh, celebrating Easter here at Elevation? I was blown away. And here, here they are. Um, these aren't blanks, but you may want to write them down. There are th- basically three choices you have to get in position to see God. And, and, and we're going to walk through this and go somewhere with it, I promise. Here are the positions. You can stay in your sin. 
You can stay in your sin and say, you know what, I'm not changing. You know what, I may even go walk into a, a church every now and again and kind of, you know, grace them with my presence and grace God with my presence and, and do religion, which religion basically is man's attempt to appease God. And here's, <laughs> here's a newsflash, that's never going to happen, right? We're, we're never going to be able to appease God in and of ourselves. Um, and here's the second one, um, aimlessness. Some people, they just want to say, well, I'm a good person. You know, I, God, God's going to be okay with me because, well, I, I haven't killed anybody. And you know what? I stopped smoking at uh, 24. And, uh, you know, I, hey, I, I read a Bible once. And I even went to church the last three times in a row, a personal record. You know, <laughs> a personal record. I, I've gone to church three Sundays in a row. But you know what? I, I'm not really going to be go, go all the way into sin. But I really don't want to know who God is either. And so they kind of stay in this middle ground, right? So you got sin and aimlessness. And then here's another position. This is the position we want to be in. You ready for this one? Write this one down. It's God's presence. God's presence. Now, uh, the psalmist said, um, where can I run to get away from God? Do you know what? If you want to be in God's presence, or if you don't, I got news for you. God sees you no matter where you want to be. And so you may as well, with your heart and with your mind and with your soul, get in position not just on Sunday, but every day. And the question may be, you may say, Dave, that's fine. I realize that I want to get in position. But how do I get in position to, to, uh, to, to get to know God, to be a person who can learn who he is and then let my life be a response to who he is? And, and here's, here's how we do it. The first one is make God the center of everything you do. Most people are just trying to make God number one. But here's the deal. They put God number one, and then there's this list, two, three, four, five. What God wants to do is God wants to, he wants to reach into every part of your life. You see, if you put God at the center and let him basically, for lack of a better word, infect <laughs> what's going on, let him infect your speech, let him infect your workplace, let him infect your life at home with your kids um, when your spouse isn't there and when your spouse is there, because we know those are two very different places, aren't they? You know, the one where you want to just pull your hair out if you have hair, right? And so it's one of those deals where to get in position, you've got to put Jesus at the center of it all and let him touch every area of your life. Many people try God. They think they've gotten in position, but here's what happened. They try God. They say, I'll put you first for one week. God will even crack a Bible open on a day not named Sunday, <laughs> right? And, and, and then they try it once. It kind of fails, and then they say, up, oh, and then they walk back out of position, and they walk right back into the life they had before. This is why people start to fail, is they're, they're not in that constant position to find out who God is. Now, here's the, the second element, and this is the most exciting element uh, for me today. This is basically why I woke up in the morning, was this element right here on uh, number two. Uh, we must pursue knowing God. So the first element was position, but the second element of a life of response is knowing. It is knowing God. Look at verse 2 and 3. Let's read that together. Isaiah 2, Isaiah 6, verses 2 and 3. So above, um, above it stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. You know why? Because he couldn't even, the angel couldn't even bear to look at the presence of God. Um, and with two he flew to do God's will. And, and one cried to another and said, let's read this verse together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is the point where Isaiah began to know God. And can you imagine, just put yourself there for a second. 
Isaiah is there in the temple, and all of a sudden there are angels. And this isn't, people think that the Bible's a made-up story. This isn't a made-up story. This is really happening. This is recording. And Isaiah was a godly guy. He really loved God. But guess what? On this day, he found out how much he didn't know about God, okay? The, the building around him is shaking. The, the, you know, the smoke is filling the temple, and he's hearing the word holy. And I could just imagine Isaiah going, whoa, whoa, I, okay. I, I knew God was perfect, and I knew that we're supposed to trust him. But today, I found out that he's, he's, his view of perfect, his, his sinlessness, his desire for us to live holy lives, wow, this is a lot different than what I thought. And why? Because he was in the position. And why else? Because he got to know God better. Don't you want to know God better? You see, if you don't know, if you're not continually knowing God better each day, then you kind of get stale. You get disconnected from who God is. And, and then you start to drift and you start to think he's irrelevant. But God, when, when you get in position and you see who he is, God shouts down from heaven, I am not irrelevant. I am the God of the universe and I want to be involved in your life. And this is what's happening to Isaiah right now. And so one of the reasons why I'm glad that we're in the Old Testament, you see that the New Testament talks a lot about our access to God. If you're new to the Bible, if you flip to the, the further right you go, uh, we get access through Jesus Christ when he died on the cross and rose again. No longer do you have to go through me. You don't have to go, we don't have to go out back into the uh, music room of the school or, or go to the infirmary, and you don't have to confess your sin to me. Thank the Lord. I don't know if I would have been a pastor in that day. I think I would have just you know, said, hey, you can have that job. I don't want to hear it, right? And so, um, uh, so it's God's character. Here's your next blank. Um, this means understanding and trusting God's character. And I'm glad we're in the Old Testament because um, while the New Testament's about access, the Old Testament, we get people encountering God and they get to find out more about who God was. And they were so excited to learn more about who he was. Do you remember your first love letter? <laughs> Think back, your first love letter, uh, you know, where, where you were really just waiting for it and you knew it was coming. The, the surprise love letter when you were younger, that was good. But the one you knew was coming was awesome. When Amy and I were dating, uh, she went to Africa for three months, okay? And while she was in Africa, we would send letters by snail, snail mail. And this was in the 90s. Email at this point would come like three days later from Africa, all right? And the, can you imagine that? I mean, you'd be angry now. You'd punch your computer. You know, you'd throw it down and say, I'm buying a Mac, all right? So, um, yeah, you, you'd be frustrated. But email took three or four days. And a phone call, we, we talked once on the phone that summer, and it cost $120 for about 10 minutes, all right? So, uh, well, aren't you glad we've come a little further than that? But we would write a ton of mail that would get there two, three, four weeks later. And I remember when she left, you know, we thought, wow, it's going to be so cool the first time I get that love letter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to reread it, and I'm going to find out if she still wants to date me or if she's like, says, I hate you so much, I'm never coming back to America, or I don't know what she's going to say, you know. But uh, the first letter came in the mail with Amy, and, and I remember reading this thing over and over, especially the part that said, oh, I love you so much, and I think that, I think I want to marry you. You know, that one, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, score. It's good, you know. Uh, I would read it over and over, and she would tell me what's happening in her life, and she would tell me um, what she's going through, and, and, and here's the deal. God wrote a love letter to us 
that we can, we can spend our entire lifetime trying to dig into, and we never get to the end of it. And so I want to challenge you. Treat God and treat God, God's word like his love letter to you, like he, like he wants to pour himself out to you, and he wants you to know him. Um, there was a guy named S.M. Lockridge. He was an African-American pastor. If you've never heard an African-American pastor preach, man, they get super excited. But he, did, he, he said uh, one day in a sermon uh, that God, you know, God's character was so amazing, and the way he talked about it and the way he did it was way better than I could do it. And so I want you to check out the character of God from S.M. Lockridge. Check it out right now. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? <laughs> My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. 
pilot couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. Hey, that is who Jesus is. That is who our God is. Do you see how big and how deep he is? And do you see why I stepped aside and didn't preach that? All right, it's because I said, that guy did it way better than I ever could. But here's the deal. He's a guy, you know why he could stand up and say that? It's because he gave his life to pursuing knowing who God was. And here's the question. Do you know him? You may know him enough for salvation, but have you moved past that? And if you don't know him for salvation, here's the deal. I remember uh, you, you may not be able to get in position to know him well until you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. I remember uh, this baseball game, uh, uh, men's softball game rather, we don't want to confuse the two, uh, back when I was a young boy, and there was a guy who was an old pro, and he stood up uh, to the plate, and this, the pitch was about to come, and, and he looked out to the right fielder, and he said, hey, hey. You're in, the wrong pl- you're in the wrong place. Scoot back. Scoot back. I'm going to hit it over your head. And he went, oh, there was no fence in this park. I remember it was a huge park. And he backed up and he said, no, to the right. And you could see the pitcher started going, what? And this guy, he had played for the Cubs in minor league ball. And, and all of a sudden he said, well, hey, it won't matter anyway. And you know what he did? He, cla- he went, what? And just smacked it clear over his head anyway after the guy had just moved back 20 or 30 yards. And, and, and here's the deal. If you don't know Jesus as Savior first, you'll never be able to get in position to catch the ball of knowing who God is. Do you get what I'm saying? But some of us have stopped there. We know God as Savior and his, his, uh, his character and his, his uh, attributes and who he is is so deep, we could never exhaust it in our lifetime. Pursue knowing God. Otherwise, we can never live a life of response as a church. Elevation Church will never be full of the right kind of people until we all devote to our life's pursuit of knowing who God is, much like how he described it, where we can rattle it off, not because we have book knowledge, but because we have book knowledge from the Bible and we've experienced it personally, much like Isaiah did here. And so check this out. When we know God, here's the next element, our third one, we learn to fear God. We learn to fear him. Look at verse 5 and 6. After Isaiah has all this happen, smoke fills the temple. He says, woe is me. Woe. This isn't like you just saw your, you know, um, just saw the the lady you're going to marry. Like when I saw Amy, I said, woe. This is a different kind of woe, okay? This is woe. Like I think I'm in trouble. I'm undone because why? I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when you see the character of God, you begin to have a healthy fear. And there's two kinds of fear that that can grip us. One is worry. We can worry about God. And the less you know about him, the more that fear of God turns into worry. I wonder what he thinks of me. I wonder what he's going to do to me. But the more you know God, it's so funny. People think, oh, you, can, you can't trust God. And I'm thinking, he's the most trustworthy person on the planet. It's very obvious what God's expectations are and what he's going to do if you meet them or don't. <laughs> it's like, it, it, you know, don't you love the boss where you know what's coming? You know, you, you kind of know he says, do this, or she says, do this. And if you do it, you get an attaboy or girl, and, and everything goes. You don't like to play games and guess. Well, God is not that way. He doesn't play guessing games with you. He says, These are, this is who I am. These are my standards. You can fear me in a healthy way of respect. Well, Isaiah sees it, and he says, wow, God, 
I, I'm sorry, I've seen this part of your character, your holiness, your perfection, and I realize, here's two things he realized right from the scripture. He realized his own sin, but he also realized how messed up the culture was around him. You see, the more you see God, the, the more you'll realize your own sin, and here's, here's the truth. God has standards. That's your next blank. He does have standards. He determines them, not us. He expects his children to conform to them. Here's the key words, over time, over time. This is a, a big Bible word for this. It's called sanctification. It's moving from the place you were before you knew Christ, and then you come to know Christ, and you place your faith in him, and then there's this span of time until the day you die or Jesus comes back where God is expecting you to conform to his standards. And here's your next blank. Here's the cool thing. Who cleansed Isaiah once he saw God and, and he, he responded by going, I fear you, I'm so, I fear you in a respectful way. You're holy, I'm not. My, nobody around me is even like this. You are so perfect and we are not. The per, God is the one who made the way for him to change. And God is able, here's your next blank, to help you to holiness. Isaiah asked for help and God gave it to him. Where in your life do you need God to come and help you? Where is it that you need him to help you? Where you just know, maybe you're, maybe you're new to God and new to the Bible and you don't know a whole lot, but you know God is asking you to change. You don't know exactly what it looks like, but you're going, I just need help. If you just say, God, help, much like Isaiah stood there, he will help you. Maybe you do know Christ for a long time and you're asking God to give you zeal again in your walk with God and to be excited about God again and to restore your view of him and restore your view of his church and restore your view of your ability to go and make a difference in this world for him. Maybe God's trying to help you get there. All you have to do is say, God, woe is me. I'm not like you. So you come and help me to be more like you today. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.